Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is January 6th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well. Hopefully it finds you in high spirits with high hopes. Hopefully this new year hasn't like beat you down too much. Um, as for me, I'm doing pretty good. Things are solid. Things are great. Um, I, I want to start off though, I forgot last episode at the end to do my newsy roll call so i'm like fuck it we're gonna do it right at the top so this is more or less just for all the you know the patreon subscribers my newsies um you know it's part of the little package you get um so stephanie renee my alpha the queen thank you thank you thank you so much uh denver mcintosh thank you thank you so much thank you for being a homie thank you for being a player um and also Hanin Salesh, I think I got your name right this time. I think I nailed it. I feel confident. I feel good. I feel strong about it. Um, thank you for being newsy. Thank you so much. Um, obviously, your donations keep this shit going. Keep this shit flowing. Um, so, yeah, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you guys. Mwah. Um, but, yes, back to me, the host. Um, it's been good. I've been good. I've been pretty well. Um, work's been fine. I will say, food-wise, I haven't gotten too crazy. I've had some Coney's. I had a Arby's Wagyu beef burger again. I can't stop. Um, nothing too major, nothing too wild, though. Um, actually, we can just go ahead and get into the news. I just want to hit it. I don't know what those noises were. Those, whatever. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's start with the Associated Press. We're going to do a little bit of uh, Russia-Ukraine news at the top, as usual. Sitting ducks, Russian military flaws seen in troop deaths. So this took place, um, I believe, over the weekend, yes, in a Ukrainian town of Makivika. Sorry about that. Um, where soldiers were temporary station, temporarily stationed. Um, it winds up becoming this potent, like perfect storm where you have... Hundreds of troops stationed in this one area. And you also have a lot of munitions in the area. And, oh my gosh, what would happen if, you know, the Ukrainians with their own now, you know, Western, you know, high-powered artillery hit your area up with all these people in? Because essentially that's what happened. Um, now the Russians have come out, you know, and said, Hey, this is a military failure. Essentially, we've been telling the troops that there's a cell phone ban. They've had their cell phones on. They're calling people and using them. And essentially they were geo geolocated with that. And, um, that's why these people, you know, these people died. These soldiers died. Now that hasn't been confirmed by the Ukrainian side that that's how they did it. Uh, but essentially, that's kind of become a norm, though, on both sides that, like, the technology is so good that we can track you guys down to your cell phones being on or off. You can't hide. Like, the whole idea of, like, an ambush or all these kind of things, It's it can just be offset just by those kind of things. Like, it's, it's very crazy because it goes to show how deep this shit can be. Um, you know, potentially just calling your... your 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 mom or your brother your sister whoever just to kind of give them an update potentially could get you killed um but granted i mean that's not 
you know, substantiated. Also, even the number isn't necessarily a hard lock either, as we've kind of been known to see uh, with the coverage. Uh, you know, the Ukrainians have gone as high as to say hundreds of soldiers have died, whereas you've kind of capped the, the Russian number at 89. Uh, they started, I think, at saying 63, but then, you know, as a tally kind of became very visible, they were like, okay, at least 89. Um, so... I mean, that's a big loss. It's also very embarrassing in a lot of ways. I've seen a big reaction that takes place when these um, um, incidents happen and there's loss on the Russian side. You'll see these Russian bloggers just pop off and talk so much fucking shit. Like, how could this happen? How could, you know, we be so stupid? How could this be allowed? You got to get a yada. And they start doing like this, the whole armchair quarterback shit. Like they start becoming armchair generals. It's, it's really weird um, that that's allowed, but I guess it's like, as long as they're being pro the war and they just want to see it done better, then that's kind of okay. Like there's a line and limit for that, I guess. Um, so that's, I guess a real weird thing. Also, I've noticed this week um, added talk in this article. And also I heard from the daily they talked a little bit more about the Wagner Group, which is like um, kind of like a paramilitary group. They don't necessarily, they're not claimed by Russia, but they are of Russia. Um, I believe the man's name is Yevgeny Prigozhin. Um, he is a Russian millionaire, or they just say a millionaire businessman with close ties to Putin. Um and he has spearheaded the Bahamut offensive. So, a.k.a. they've had more involvement since the last we've kind of talked about them. I want to say maybe in March we've talked about the Wagner Group a little bit because they were, like, being, like, deployed there. Um, you know, essentially a group that has done a lot of just dirty, grimy shit, pair, like, internationally. Um, a lot of shit in Africa, just from the little bit I've kind of seen and researched heard about. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially they are said to have some 50,000 personnel, uh, fighting Ukraine, including 40,000, uh, recruited convicts that, um, pretty much Yevgeny recruited into the, uh, military. And I've heard one story from the daily where there was this man, 55 years old, he is, um, essentially recruited he says yes uh, yeah he gets to more or less go be out of jail if he completes his whole service then he's free so it's kind of like a deal that like it's kind of hard to say no to i guess for a lot of people um but his job since he's not a trained fighter or anything like that they said okay you're gonna go in the dead of night and when you know the fighting dies down you're gonna go pick up dead bodies and you know, essentially, you're going to round up, you know, these soldiers so that we can bury them properly. Um, and also, there's another thing, too, where it's like, let's say you complete your tour in death as one of these, like, convict recruits. You at least get a soldier's burial as opposed to a prisoner's burial. Um, so, needless to say, for this guy, this this prisoner, convict, turned now body, you know, salvager or whatever, um, he decides, I'm going to desert. I'm not doing this shit. No way. And, um... He flees. He's apprehended by Ukrainian soldiers, knocked unconscious. He wakes up, comes to, 
and um, essentially is now a prisoner. And um, he says, hey, I'm not with this shit. I'm, you know, against Putin. Putin is fighting a losing battle. He, this, this war is going to be his grave. And, um, but sadly, he is traded in a prisoner swap with the Russians and Ukrainians. And is, he winds up being executed live. Well, it's a recording, actually. I don't know if it's live. Uh, I, since I'm doing podcasts, I'm like, whenever something's happening, that's live. It's live. But um, he, they have him speak. And then the executioner just slams him with a fucking sledgehammer. It was really just sad as hell. And once again, to the Evgeny guy, who, mind you, is also, I believe, a caterer. He, like, has fed, literally fed Vladimir Putin before, which is kind of weird, whatever. But um, he's like, yeah, this man betrayed his country. He betrayed his soldiers. And um, he got a fitting, you know, execution for it. So, I mean really just a really hard offensive that is now kind of set up in you know Ukraine despite the winter there really hasn't been much of a slowdown but speaking of slowdown um in another article from CNN Kyiv dismisses Putin's call for a 36 hour ceasefire in Ukraine as hypocrisy so there is the um more or less the Orthodox Christian Christmas takes place between the 6th and the 7th, so today and tomorrow. And Putin wanted to have a ceasefire. And um, more or less, um, Ukraine and the West were like, no, that's very suspect. We are not saying yes to this. And, you know, they've continued operations. doesn't look like they slowed down. Um, also, the Pope has called on... Um, who is it? Patriarch Kyrill of Moscow um, is more or less called on him to not be the altar boy to Putin, which I thought was like, wow, nice this Pope Vantage. Okay, all right. Um, but I mean, essentially, like it says in the title, um, it's kind of looked at as like a very hypocritical thing. Like, you've been bombing us all our Christmas and now you want to celebrate yours. And by like, actually what does a ceasefire really do except giving you more time to kind of, you know, recalibrate, you know, re and, you know, reload. No, we're not going to give you that time. So, um, it's kind of also though being used as like a propaganda thing from the Russian side. They kind of toss us up knowing like, yeah, they're probably not going to say yes. But then, you know, at home they can say, wow, we literally said, hey, here's um, a ceasefire. Let's take a break. Let's like in, take time for Christmas. And they said no. And they're going to keep trying to fight and like try to paint them as the aggressors. Um, which is kind of a mixed reaction, I think, in Russia. I think people who are just eating state media news, they're going to buy that, believe it or not. And the people who don't are going to be like, this is bullshit. So um, that's more or less all we got for that. Um, let's see here. I actually got some sports news here, but you know, always if I'm going to do some sports news, it's not going to be usually the typical, but this, um, is a game that took place on, I believe New Year's. It was a, um, Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals game. It's a big game in terms of just like, you know, these guys are leading in their division or doing well, I guess. And, you know, lots on the line. Every game matters type of shit. And, um, you know, during the game, uh, DeMar Hamlin, who is a Buffalo Bills player, he is tackled 
everything's kind of routine. He gets back up. And then next thing you know, he falls back down. And, you know, that's very concerning. Medical team gets out there. It looks like they can't resuscitate him. Next thing you know, there's like a big wall of guys, you know, kind of surrounding him. Not like crowding him, but just making sure that like, you know, people can't see and see what's going on. Everyone looks really concerned. People are looking really worried. People are even crying. It's really sad. And after a couple minutes, though, they're able to get him breathing again. They're able to get him on a stretcher and they take him to... I believe um uc hospital so um he is unconscious not responsive um in critical condition so things are not looking good and you know there's a not like no one really knows what's happening we're pretty much trying to see you know how is you know is he gonna wake up if he wakes up how responsive is he going to be because of the fact that like Hey, he, it seemed like he had had like a cardiac issue. Like he was in cardiac arrest or something like that. And, um, that means there was no oxygen getting to his brain. You know, he wasn't breathing. So even if it is just even for like seconds, sometimes that's enough to potentially cause brain damage. So that was a really big concern. Um, I will say things got really nasty on the internet as they tend to do. But I remember going through Twitter and you were seeing, you know, initially, you know, thoughts and prayers, people concerned, you know, people putting up information, what they knew. But then you also saw people like, oh, he fell down suddenly. And then like, oh, he fell down suddenly. They were like spamming that. Like you'd see a lot of statuses posts like that. And um, then you would see like people who were like doctors or whatever. And they were coming out and saying like, hey, like, yeah, it is really odd that he fell down that way. I wonder if he was vaccinated. And it's like, what? And it's like, you see that, like, all these people are trying to turn this conversation into, oh, this person got the shot. And because they got the shot, they're having something, some issue. And it's like, one, you guys don't even know he's vaccinated. You just don't even fucking know that. You're just, like, literally pulling this out of your fucking asshole to try to make this something else. It's like someone potentially is dying right now. So it was crazy to see that. Also, another crazy thing that was, to me, it's crazy to say, I'm going to say it's crazy, but like you saw sports people like, um, Skip Bayless, like, Hey, not to be crazy or anything. I'm concerned about, uh, Mar Hamlin, Hamlin, but you know, what about the game? Like, you know, cause that's another thing that was big here. Um, this is something that's never like, this hasn't happened in like, I believe like 50 years or some shit. And, um. I think the last time it was this big, um, they tried to continue the game. They continued, they just moved on about it. Essentially, everyone was so rattled. Everyone read the situation for what it was. Like, this man might not make it. Like, we need to stop. This isn't about fucking football anymore. And the game was um, postponed. Essentially, you know, stopped, whatever. Now, um, there's another article that we're going to get to kind of... Oh, excuse me. I'm burping. Um, from USA Today. Um, and then one from Sports Illustrated. I don't know if I said that. But um, NFL won't resume Bills-Bengals Week 17 game postponed after DeMar Hamlin's collapse. Now, that was another big deal because, like I said, the Skip Bayless guy is wondering, well, what are we going to do about the game? What about the football? And people are like, are you fucking serious, dude? Um, even his co-host was like, 
no, I'm not showing up tomorrow. Like, fuck this. <laughs> like, like, cause he was a player, uh, Shannon Sharp. Um, Skip Bayless, just some fucking white dude who's like, oh, I gotta like talk about sports. You got are you good or you bad? You throw the ball right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I used to watch him a little bit. Um, was it? I can't remember it. There's like uh, some muty show. It was like some cool little like show where like sports people would talk and they'd like there was a winner somehow it was like around the horn around the horn i think he was on around the horn a couple times or something like that i'm making up i get these guys confused but um he's been on espn or whatever and he was making a was like let's play football don't worry about it um i do think he was concerned i think he kind of said it in a really shit way um but there are people who are more worried about the game in some ways and that was kind of weird and eerie but um Essentially, that is going to get sorted out, even though they aren't going to, um, you know, resume the game or, you know, come up with a conclusion for that. Um, they're just going to be down a game. They're going to work out some scenarios or some shit and see how it pans out. But um, to kind of put some good news at the end of this, um, I found out today DeMar Hamlin has woke up. Not only has he woken up, he's also responsive. Um you know, one of the things he had asked, and I think he still has the tube in right now. He still needs it, but, like, he's been, like, writing down and stuff like that. Um, you know, he just wanted to know who won. And um, let's see. We'll read a quote here, I believe, from Dr. Timothy Pritz of the University of Cincinnati. Ooh, also, we love a good local story because we love hearing doctors do good shit and coming through. We love hearing the city come through. Also, a tangent. Um... Jeff Ruby, who is the owner of, I believe, Jack Ruby. It's like a nice steakhouse here in Cincinnati. Um, he reached out to the family and said, hey, you guys can, like, come here to eat for as long as it takes. Um, you know, dinner's on me or whatever. And I thought that was really sweet. It was nice to see, you know, people really extending all the kind of help and whatever they could to just whoever. And cool to see the solidarity between, you know, the Bills and the Bengals. You know, it's cool. It was nice. Neat. But, um... Let's see, when Hamlin asked, did we win? Um, the answer is, yes, Damar, you won. You've won the game of life. That's probably the most important thing out of this, and we really need to keep him in the center of everything else that's going on, and we really want to ensure a good outcome from him for him. So it's not like he's out of the woods, but it's just good to see him up. It's good to see him, you know, alive. <laughs> Because my first time, you know, hearing the story and everything, like I said, like, the whole idea of, like, no oxygen to the brain, that's scary. That's really fucking scary. Um, so, good to see him up. Good to see him, you know, breathing and squeezing. You know, he, he's got his, you know, some of his reflexes. That's important. So, um, yeah, good to get some good news in the middle of the pod. Um... Let's see. What else, though? I mean, yeah, there's more sports stuff talking about, like, potential hypotheticals. If you'd like to read the article or do that, by all means, you can definitely come back and let me know. I read it, but there's no point to really convey it. <laughs> this shit is like math at the end of the day for me. kind of makes my head hurt. Um, but speaking of things that make my head hurt, let's go to Politico. And we're talking about politics, and I'm sorry about it. Um, what... What's in McCarthy's emerging deal with conservatives and why it could work? Um, once again, we're going to do some, we're going to do some summarizing. Um, 
there's a lot going on here. This is a very um, fluid situation, if you will. Um, essentially, House of um, Representatives, they were supposed to have a super easy thing to do on Tuesday. And, um, you know, everyone, all the new elects are coming in and, you know, the minority or the, the former House Speaker was going to step down to the new House Speaker. Um, it was supposed to be, just be super fucking easy. Formality voting. Like, hey, we all want this person to, to be the House Speaker. We all say, hey, hey, all right. Boom, boom, boom. Guy gets the gavel. Or girl, you know, or woman, you know, whoever. You know, Pelosi just had it. Uh, essentially, the man who was supposed to be that guy um, was the Republican um, leader, um, Kevin McCarthy. Now, I can give you a little bit of rundown from what I know about this guy. Learned a little bit of a crash course this week. Um, essentially, he kind of came in as a quote-unquote moderate Republican. Um, essentially, is uh, my favorite kind of politicians is a moderate. Because um, as much as I would like to think that that's what we all want, our sensible-minded people who are going to like reach across the aisle and do the thing. Essentially, these guys are usually the most weaselly motherfuckers in the game. And uh, Kevin McCarthy has um, not disappointed, apparently, according to his career. He kind of aligned himself, um, you know, initially to be like kind of like an underling of uh, John Boner, once again, or Boehner. I think we call him Boner around here. Um, once again, being local again, Ohio shit. But um, he was the Speaker of the House at one point or whatever. And he was working under him, essentially kind of like riding in the wings, essentially trying to be, become that guy in the future. But um, he makes some moves that are kind of a little bit slippery, where he sets it up for him, uh, you know, sets some things up for him, and then kind of goes a little bit to the, you know, the other side and does a little bit of betrayal. But that's because McCarthy kind of sees the writing on the wall and is looking towards the future, and he sees this Tea Party movement, you know, these up-and-coming, obstructionist-style conservatives these republicans and he goes okay i'm not them but i've kind of done my own little thing i've been a quote-unquote young gun and you know done some spearheading myself and I, once again i want to be at the tip of the spear one day i'm trying to get there so he's kind of playing both sides of the party at the time and he's kind of continued to do that even you see another opportunity where he does this or window where he does this um during the uh January 6th shit. And um, he comes out pretty against um, Donald Trump's actions. You know, he should have spoke up. He should have done something sooner. But the next thing you know, he's going off to Mar-a-Lago and he's kissing the ring and he's changing his story. He's changing his tune. And he's telling people to back off of this shit. We don't need to worry about it anymore. We need to move on. Um, so he's proven himself to be a bit of a self-serving guy. Um kind of getting along to get along. And he's ruffled some feathers along the way. Also, going back to those Tea Party people, he's ruffled their feathers along the way, kind of with some of the stuff he's done. Like I said, I just did a couple of highlights, little dip dabs. But, I mean, this is a very fluid thing, and you make a lot of relationships, and you break a lot of relationships as you go. So, here we are on Tuesday. Something that's supposed to be easy-peasy, lemon-fucking-squeezy is somehow not. And... Also, a little fun fact, constitutionally, until you swear in a new House Speaker with this little simple formality vote, Congress, you know, or House cannot continue. They cannot do anything. 
all these new elects that have come through, our little our little fresh out the the pack rapper, little liar dude, uh, you know, George Santos, he can't get in. He's not in yet. He's not official yet because this isn't done. So essentially there's a holdout and there's about 20 or so people that are like, mm, I don't know, man, I'm not really feeling you. And there's really like, I think like a top five crust of these people who are like, no, nah, we are not. And like, essentially it's like, well, then what is it going to take? What do you guys want so that, you know, I, Kevin McCarthy can get what I'm supposed to get here. And um, I think initially he's kind of come at them hot and um, allegedly there was like swearing involved and that like solidified people to be even against him. And essentially there's just been this back and forth, so much politicking and it went from one time to two times to three times. And after the third time they're like, okay, let's take a break, which is already a big deal. Like this is once again, like I said, it's supposed to be a formality, a one day affair. We're not going into day two. This hasn't happened in, you know, years. And at the time, they're like, yeah, this hasn't happened. Like, this could get as bad as, like, I guess what happened in the, like, Civil War era, like, 100 years ago, some shit, where, like, people were holding out and, like, they couldn't come to a consensus. But essentially, it was looking so bad because now we're going into day two. We're looking at the, the, the fucking numbers, vote after vote after vote. These 20 people are holding out. Now it's going up to 21. Now people are like grandstanding, picking other people along the way. Oh, we should get this guy, this guy, that guy. Also, meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, the Democrats are just cheesing. They're just like fucking grinning ear to ear because naturally this is the Republican-led house making asses on themselves in the first fucking week, shitting the fucking bed in front of everybody. Like, just... Day zero. Awesome. Love to see it. Um, it actually looks so bad that, like, you know, the Democrats are just rallying around ha- Hakeem Jeffries, who is the minority. And they're like, yeah, you should do it. You should be the vote. And he's getting more votes than fucking McCarthy. And, like, there's alleged suspicion, worry, fear that this could go to another place where instead of voting for just within this party, more or less, like, we say no, tally everyone's votes. And in that way, it would potentially go to Hakeem Jeffries. The minority leader would become Speaker of the House, which is just like, what the fuck? No, that's so crazy. But essentially, they're saying that Kevin McCarthy is so odious that they would rather. And um, I mean, there's a lot going on here. They go into the guts in this article. I really don't even want to get into the weeds about it, honestly. Um, this is subject to change. Uh, like I said, that was, I just give, given you two days. We're now on Friday. They have wrapped up yet again, I believe for the 12th time. This motherfucker still hasn't won. And in each time he's just like, just sitting there, just sitting there. And he takes the L and he, him and his little team just go to work. And they're like, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And they go into little offices or whatever downstairs and they do some talking, do some working and they keep working at this shit. And um, st- I, I think they're saying the news more or less, especially from here, is like, oh, we're getting somewhere. We're turning people around. Um, the question is going to be at what cost. Essentially, what they're saying is like they want um, either they want to make it so that they can have one, any one member can vote 
to have a re-election on this issue at any given point, which is something that initially McCarthy did not want to budge on because that's crazy. Essentially, that's just going to make this more chaotic down the road. And then even within the Republican Party in, in the House, they're having this conversation. But wait, what? Let's say we give him. Let's say we. Let's say he says yes to us on this. Then guess what? The Democrats can do this too. This is not going to help us. And McCarthy's like, "Look, dude, let it rot. <laughs> we'll worry about. We'll worry about that later, sweetheart." <laughs> uh, once again, paraphrasing. I, I wish McCarthy talked like that. But really, though, he is like trying to take this on the chin as best as he can. <laughs> Um, he's really trying to keep a brave face about this um, L after L after L after L after L. Um, and God, I love it. Because fuck both parties at the end of the day. Um, obviously, I'm a liberal-leaning guy. Um, but that's only because I, I, I like leftist ideals. <laughs> like At the end of the day, though, when it comes to politics in America, leftist ideals are just used as commercial taglines to get you to vote. Um, at the end of the day... You're just going to see people like Joe Biden run the country and um, nothing's going to really get done. But we'll talk more about that on another episode. Um, we're going to get a little bit international now again. Um, let's see. We're at um, CNN and we're talking Mexico. Mexico prison attack kills 14. Dozens of inmates escape. <laughs> So this took place Sunday. Um, at least 14 people died in a brazen armed assault on a prison in the Mexican border city of Juarez on Sunday. Um, let's see. 10 security guards and four prisoners were killed and 13 were injured. Um, so, and then also, like it says, you know, dozens of inmates are also able to get away. Uh, 24 prisoners escaped. Um, let's see. The incident began, began around 7 a.m. on Sunday when gunmen and armored vehicles arrived at the prison and opened fire on security personnel. Um, I think it's a, like, it's alleged, it's thought that, um, like, potentially... A branch of the cartel, like the Sinaloa cartel, might be involved. Um, I mean, it could also be the Juarez cartel. I mean, it's no one knows exactly, or at least I haven't gleaned that from this article or anything I've heard, um, you know, who was the direct cause of it. But, you know, essentially just a big, um, you know, event that took place. And I was like, damn, Mexico's popping off. That's a big deal. But then to close out the week... There was another big development in Mexico um, from the Associated Press, and we are going to take our break before we close out on this one. Okay, we're back. From the Associated Press. Mexico nabs son of drug lord El Chapo before Biden visit. So, as prefaced by the title, Biden is um, going to Mexico 
uh, if he hasn't already been there, I might have missed that and whatever. But I know I'm going to be covering um, just some statements in that in the future. But uh, essentially here, let's let's focus on here now. Um, shit, once again, went off in Mexico. Um, I believe I have his full name. Olivio... Oh, no, not Olivio. Ovidio Guzman, who is also known as Mouse, um, who is the son of El Chapo, uh, who is, you know, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. Um, El Chapo is a person who was doing some shit before I started this podcast. I really wish I was definitely recording during those, some of those times. Um, very notorious drug dealer, you know, um, half of the, um, leading force of the, um, Sinaloa cartel. I'm getting that right off, off the head here. <laughs> you know, I'm swimming a little bit. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But, um, this is a big deal. The first, this isn't even also the first time that, um, Ovidio has been apprehended. He was initially apprehended and essentially the response by the Sinaloa cartel was so intense and so massive they had to yield to the cartel and give him back they had to let him go but essentially this time they apprehended him um I believe they immediately got him to a plane and um he's you know under custody now um let's see yeah, Thursday's high-profile capture comes just days before Luis Obrador, um, who is the uh, president, um, will host a uh, president of Mexico. Sorry, will host uh, U.S. President Joe Biden for bilateral talks, followed by their North American leaders summit with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Jug, drug drug trafficking drug trafficking along with immigration is expected to be a top talking point um so that meeting i believe is what i'm going to be covering in the future i've only kind of half researched that i'm gonna do that and probably talk about it saturday or sunday but um let's see here da, 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 da. um let's see Washington, D.C. accused the younger Guzman of conspiring to distribute cocaine, methamphetamine, and marijuana in the United States. Um, Also, if you're thinking, well, isn't, like, marijuana more or less more legal in the U.S.? And it's like, it is definitely getting there. Um, You know, knock on wood, we're going to get there all the way someday sooner than later. But um, sadly, cartels still make a use out of selling, like, black market marijuana. Um, essentially like it still works as like a fuel for like narco, whatever, you know, it's still a drug that they can make money off of. They make more money off of other things. I mean, fentanyl is way higher of a sell for them, but you know, sometimes marijuana will do and they will even, you know, make like, they'll take over like grow farms that were supposed to be legal or have you or like grow next to them or what have you and run their own operations illegally. So that's been stories I've heard, you know, granted, once again, I try not to delve too deep into those. Cause I feel like those can be kind of used as propaganda by people to be like, well, see, this is why weed's always going to be bad. Marijuana's always going to be bad. It's like, no, you just need better regulation. You need to be more on your shit. 
Um, but uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Maybe not even more. So much better. But um, blah, 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 blah. the CDC, CDC said last July that more than 107,000 Americans had died from drug overdose. Okay, that's just like opioid facts and stuff to kind of relate to the severity of what they do. Um, also, there was, once again, retaliation. Uh, cartel members set up 19 roadblocks, including a Siluicalian airport outside the local army base, as well as points of access to the city of Quiacalian Sandoval, said. Um, but the Air Force was able to fly Guzman to Mexico City despite their efforts, and he has been taken to offices of the Attorney General's Organized Crime Special Prosecutor. Um, now, the U.S. really wants him extradited as soon as possible, and I thought that was going to happen soon, soon. But as of today, I have not heard an update. They've said no. Um, but also, I read here, too, this is from CNN, that um, 29 people also died, I believe, in this whole kind of exchange up until Friday. So, um, obviously, that's sad to hear that there was, like, such a brutal aftermath. Um, but, yeah, um, this was a mixed bag, huh, y'all? A little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, once again, shout out to all my newsies. If you'd like to become a newsie, I can show you the way. Um, patreon.com so as Isaiah News uh, essentially once again that gets you on that roll call you can also if you want to plug anything I will plug it on the podcast for you um, whether it be news whether it be your own brand your own thing whatever we can set that up um, and then also gets you discord access and it gets you access to bonus episodes that I work on um, you know, typically I will get a bonus episode out in the week and, um, it's available via Patreon and YouTube. Um, it's private, very select. Um, but yeah, also there's a free way to hit me up, uh, isandies1 at gmail.com and I'm active on all the socials that are, you know, decent, I guess, workable, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter. You can generally find me or the podcast and, um, you know, hit me up there. But um, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love ya. Bye-bye. Mwah.